Hello. Thank you so much for having us here today, as Dan said earlier. Um, it's such a privilege to be here in Emmanuel Church. Emmanuel Church has been long-standing supporters of us. I think we've had quiz Christmas quizzes in your hall back there. We've run training sessions here. We've even used it as a ready-for-action depot with um, mowers and all sorts of things here. That's before my time, but so I'm told. Um, you've been generous givers to us over the years, and we've also uh, pinched some of your congregation for trustees and for teams, so I can see some of you in the congregation this morning. So... Um, Really, I felt that God wanted me to bring you an encouragement today. So that, that's why I'm here today. That's what I want to do for you today. Thank you for those readings. Um, you read so beautifully those verses. Would you mind if I just pray before I, before I go into it? Father, we, um, we ask for a blessing on this congregation here. We ask for a blessing on this church. And we ask for a blessing on the words that you've given me to speak. We ask that you open our ears and our hearts to you this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. So there were two uh, passages that they read this morning. The one we want to focus on particularly is 1 Corinthians 13. And in particular, I want to start with verse 13. In the message version of verse 13, we are urged to do three things. Trust steadily in God. Hope unswervingly and love extravagantly. I love the beauty of those words. And it's that last one in particular that we want to encourage you in today, to love extravagantly. Um, I want to tell you a little story. So some of you may know, my husband Scott and myself uh, spent five years traveling around Europe with um, our then very small children in a camper van. I think there's a, a photo, you get a little sneak peek gonna come up on the screen. I don't know if he's... Yep, there we go. So this was a, a previous life um, that's us in the camper van. As I say, we were traveling for, uh, we'd been traveling for about eight months. We were in Germany. We didn't know very much of the language. We were relying on my husband's GCSE German. I think that might have been um, one of the GCSEs he didn't actually pass. So that wasn't very helpful. Um, and we didn't really know where we were going. Uh, God told us to get in a van and, and travel. So we got in a van and turned left. Um, and we'd, we'd picked up some contacts along the way. Uh, we'd met a guy called Marcus um, at a 24-7 prayer uh, gathering previously. And he'd given us his address. And he said, we'd love to see you in your travels. What he didn't realize is that we were going to take him up on that. Um, so one day, and remember, this is a time, so this is in the um, 2000s, early, mid-2000s. Mid there was no, we didn't have a mobile phone and all of that. We were, we, there was Wi-Fi, but you had to go to McDonald's to find it. Um, so there was, you know, you, you weren't sort of available to, to speak to people and to contact people whenever you wanted. So we let Marcus know that we were coming by email, but we didn't really have a response. And he said, we're usually, I'm staying at my parents, we're usually there on a Sunday. So we decided to rock up on a Sunday, um, and we arrived, and when we arrived, we were interrupting a family gathering, and I'm talking a gathering of maybe 15 people all sat outside having a barbecue, um, and their children running around having a lovely family time. So we rocked up as unexpected guests. In fact, they'd actually finished eating, uh, the barbecue was turned off, and they were all just, you know, sitting around chatting. So we rocked up in this great big van on their drive, um, totally undeserving, totally unexpected, gate-crushing their family gathering. But what happened when we arrived was they welcomed us with open arms. 
Only one person there had met us before, and that was briefly. But they welcomed us with open arms. They cranked the barbecue back up again. They got more food out of the fridge. They fed us lavishly for several hours. Um, our children played in the swimming pool with their children, and we had a brilliant time. They then invited us to park our van on their drive in all its um, brightly coloredness um, uh, for that night. We used their showers. We, we were there in the morning for breakfast, um, and they just lavished us with welcome and acceptance. They lavished us with extravagant love. And that's what our children remember. They're now in their late teens, early 20s, and they remember not the food and all those details, but they remember the welcome and remember that extravagant love. Oh, there's a little shelf in there. That's clever, isn't it? <laughs> but I want to take a little step back from that. Thank you. You can remove the picture now. Um, before we look at why and how we can love others more extravagantly, I want to just remind us what makes it all possible. 1 John 4, 19 tells us, we love because he first loved us. 1 John 3, 1, God lavishes his love on us. Just look around you. Just even this beautiful morning driving in this morning. It's God's extravagant love. On what started off as a wintry day, I was scraping ice off my car, yet driving here, the beauty of that sunshine just reminds me of God's extravagant love. The world we live in, we live in a beautiful part of the country, but all over the world, God's beauty in creation. Those families and friendship groups he's placed us in, that's God lavishing his extravagant love on us. Those times he's forgiven us. Loved us regardless. I love the prodigal son story, which illustrates this beautifully. The son claims his inheritance, really despises his inheritance, goes against the culture of the day, rejects his father, runs away and wastes it all. When it comes to the day when he returns, he is expecting to return to servants' quarters, but no, his father is there waiting for him with an embrace, with a party. He was undeserving, yet the father loved him extravagantly. And of course, not just in the parable, but in reality, God sent his son to die on a cross for us, that we might be reconciled to him, us, the totally undeserving human race. He loves us extravagantly. And this is what makes it possible for us to do the same for others. Those people sat around the table when we arrived there in Germany, knew Jesus, loved Jesus, knew that extravagant love of Jesus, and were therefore able to pass that on to us. Jesus loves us, and therefore we have the capacity to love others. I wonder if you'll just indulge me a minute and close your eyes if you feel comfortable. We're just going to pause. And I want you to notice that extravagant love of God in your life. And take a moment, just in your hearts, to thank God. So imagine if we learnt how to operate out of the knowledge and experience of this extravagant love. If we received to give. Mother Teresa, who was the epitome of somebody who sacrificed their love, experienced the extravagant love of Christ and gave it to others. 
Even she said, this love must come from within, from our union with Christ. So that's our priority, is to receive his love. They talked about waiting on him this morning. So, we receive this love. We pause, we wait on the Father and receive his love. How can we show others this extravagant love, though? Well, there are three ways I want to suggest this morning. Firstly, we need to see people as individuals. Tozer tells us that God doesn't love populations. He loves people. God is all about the individual. At Matrix, Dan was explaining that's what we do. We take time with young people to get to know them as individuals. It's all relational. We understand them. We don't presume they're all the same. We need the set that all need the same as others. We listen to them, and that's what we can do for others. Dan shared a bit of his story this morning. He needed to be seen as an individual at school, not just another kid who was getting bullied or wasn't perhaps doing as well or had got into the wrong crowd. But if he'd have been known as an individual, what a difference that could have made to his life at that point. An extravagant love gives time to get to know the individual. So let's see people and not populations, not groups of people, but let's see the individuals. Secondly, I want to encourage us to come to people, come to them and meet them where they are. So that might be physically or it might be emotionally. At Matrix, about five years ago when I took over as the CEO, we refreshed our vision and mission based around Isaiah 61.3, which is the bit that Jesus refers to just before the passage that Julie read. Um, and we like it in the street Bible. I don't know if there's any of you who are old enough like me to remember the street Bible. And bits of it were really, really good. So I don't know if we can have that verse up on the screen. Isaiah 61 verse 3 in the street Bible. Yeah. My manifesto is to get alongside the grieving, to swap their burnt-out hopes for beautiful crowns, to exchange their regrets for delight, to trade in their despair for celebration songs. They'll be like towering sculptures, chiseled out by God, to be a constant reminder of his brilliance. And at Matrix, that's what we do. We get alongside young people. We go to where they are. We go into the schools. We go into the communities. But we also go to where they are emotionally. If they're feeling low, we want to meet them at that point. And all of us can do that. Whatever people are going through, we need to meet them where they are, in their despair. When they're making those wrong choices, we need to get alongside them. We need to be displaying this extravagant love because extravagant love meets people in the midst of their turmoil. When the prodigal son returned home, he didn't return home having sorted everything out. He was in the midst of his turmoil. And the third way is the way that we demonstrate the extravagant love. So Paul, in, in 1 Corinthians 13, tells us what, love look like, what it looks like to, to love. He talks about being patient. talks about showing kindness, protecting, persevering, keep keeping on with them. When young people want to give up on themselves, we try and stand in the gap and show them that we haven't given up on them. When they're in a risky situation, whether that's a home situation or one that they've put themselves in, we seek to protect them. And they come to us with all sorts of issues, but we don't judge them. This is where love gets really hard, isn't it? <laughs> and this is where we need to draw on that extravagant love of God even down to the very practical things, being patient with somebody who maybe 
can't walk very fast and you're in a hurry. Keeping your cool when somebody decides to take their anger, their turmoil out on you. Listening to that same story again and again of that mistake they've made again and again. Extravagant love. I've started reading, uh, since sadly Desmond Tutu passed away, I've started reading one of his books. And he says in there, God's love for us and love for others is the single greatest motivating force in the world. I'm going to say that again. God's love for us and our love for others is the single greatest motivating force in the world. And that's what I want to encourage you in today. But first, I want to encourage you that you're doing so much already here as a manual. I'm just looking at your website and you're doing pensioners, lunch clubs and friendship clubs, men's groups, toddler groups, youth club. You're getting alongside those who are lonely, who are grieving, who are in tricky home situations. You're giving young people the space to be themselves and be heard. So many of you are already demonstrating extravagant love, giving up your time to love others, love strangers extravagantly. But I also want to encourage you to dig deeper, to go one step further to love more extravagantly. So I've just got a couple of questions to ask you, a couple of little challenges to throw out. And then we'll take a moment to pray, if that's okay. Firstly, is there an area of your life that God is inviting you to open up to experience his extravagant love? We said we need to receive his love to be able to give it. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe you're lonely. When we pray in a moment, we're going to ask God to show you his extravagant love in that area. Or maybe God is asking you to love somebody Is he bringing an individual to mind? A neighbour, a friend? Maybe it's a group you can get involved with here at church, one of the activities that's already going on. Maybe you're feeling motivated to volunteer either in the church or even with us at Matrix, with young people. When we pray in a moment, we're going to ask God to, to show you if there's somebody that is inviting you to love extravagantly. So let's close our eyes. Father, we ask first that you... Show us if there is an area in our life that you want to lavish your extravagant love on. Lord, for those for who that invitation is for this morning, we ask that you demonstrate your extravagant love to them, that they may know more of your love, that they may hear your voice and see your love in the world around and in those around them. And Father, we also ask that you show us, is there some person that you are asking us to love extravagantly today? Are you challenging us to go deeper to dig deeper. Give us the strength, Lord. Help us to draw on your extravagant love and to go out into the world, be your hands and feet, and demonstrate that extravagant love to others. Amen.